Right. Thank you very much. Man, it's good to be home. And uh, because this is where we still consider our home. This is where, where it all started for us years ago. And, uh, but I want to start, for those who don't know me, uh, I just want to honor the tangata whenua just by saying this morning, Kia ora tātou katoa, ko manganui te manga, ko wairau te awa, no taronga aho, no manariwa aho e ana, he pastor Elam Christian Centre South, tāko turangi mahi, ko Alex toku ngoa, te mana whenua o tenai rohe, tēnā koto, tēnā koto, tēnā koto, tātou katoa. Um, we are delighted to be back here. Uh, I said in our home again. It's my wife Lisa, isn't she beautiful? You can stand up, honey, and everybody can embarrass you. And uh, <laughs> and we have uh, two great kids. Our oldest daughter, who's um, 19, yeah, 19, uh, has just sort of doing life now in Wellington. She's just left this year, and she's down there at uni, and she's joined up with a bunch of um, Christian hippie types that are. That they're doing uh, street outreach and evangelism, and she's just loving it, reaching out to some of the immigrant community there, and um, she's having a great time. Our young fella is 10, he's at, at school, and uh, he's a bit of a preacher, he preaches to me morning, noon, and night, it seems like, um, but he's got a real heart and passion for the Lord, and uh, growing, growing up to be a young man of God. Um, we are so, so grateful for this church. This was the church where it all started, as I said, especially for me, I got saved in this church, and um, I know there are people in this church that prayed for us, not for a few years, but actually more like a couple of decades, and um, I'm embarrassed to say, it's a fair amount of time, but there's some incredibly faithful people in this church, amen? Okay, sorry. There's some faithful people in this church, Amen. All right. Hey, I'll tell you a secret, right? So we've been in South Auckland now for, um, for the last year. And in South Auckland, it goes like this. The more feedback you give me, the better I will preach in return. Is that a good deal? Oh, man, come on. Now, is that the best deal you've heard this morning? All right. Okay. We're going to get excited this morning because you guys have got some pretty exciting stuff coming up, right? I hear that we're leveling up in Hamilton Elam. I tell you, it is about time for this church to rise up and to take its God-given destiny in this place. You know, we've seen Hamilton Elam start to rise, and then something happens, and then something rise, and then something happens. It is overdue time for Hamilton Elam to rise up and to fulfill the destiny and the call that God has placed upon this church. This church has a mantle for breakthrough. This church has a mantle to reach out into the lost and not be confined by the four walls here. And so I'm excited to see this happen. And, um, and you know, we just really want to pray for you guys as you, as you level up, as you go the next level. But I'll tell you what, there's an interesting thing about going the next level. Anytime, if you're going to build a second level on top of a building, right? I'll tell you what, it tests the foundations, doesn't it? Each new level that you put on top tests the foundations, and, there. and if we're going to put new, new levels on, we're going to go to new levels, we've got to make sure that the foundation is right. Amen? We've got to make sure that our foundations are all good. Otherwise, we're not going to support the next level. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to journey very far. To me, when you talk about the next level, it's all about the spiritual journey. It's all about the journey that we're taking. 
Because you see, naturally, when we take each step we take forward should be a level up, right? Otherwise, we're just, we're just hanging around in the same place. We're not actually moving anywhere. We're just staying with the status quo. So by definition, when we're leveling up, we're actually journeying forward. We're taking steps forward. And we need to make sure if we're going to make a journey, you've got to make sure that you got the basis right. you got the foundation right. you got to make sure you got the fuel in the tank. I was riding back from, from down south yesterday, and Caroline was down there too. We were down, there was a church opening. And, uh, and I got as far as Cambridge, riding back up. And I had a look at the, at, the, at the gas gauge, and it was like on a quarter. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's sweet. I'll, um, I'll get to Tamahiri. I'll pick up Lisa where she was, and we'll get into Hamilton. I'll fill up. It'll all be good. But uh, this, is a, this is a mate's bike that I've borrowed. This is the first time I've ridden it. And uh, I didn't realize that his gas gauge goes, you know, slow, 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 vonk. And so from the time it took to Cambridge to Tamahiri, suddenly that gas gauge was on below empty. I was thinking, oh, no, this is not good. I was imagining, I'm going to go pick up Lisa. We're going to get down the road, and the whole bike's going to go, Puh. and uh, we're going to be walking home in the rain. And, uh, you know, Lisa's a pretty forgiving, understanding wife, but stuff like that really doesn't go down well, right? You know, just a hint, guys, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I found 30 years of marriage, do not strand your wife in the middle of nowhere on the back of a bike when it's raining. Not a good idea. So anyway, here I am, I'm panicking, and I didn't say anything to her, but I thought, oh, just I'll play it cool, and uh, I'm just praying like mad, and I'm, and I'm worried about this all the way, because that gauge is really, really low, it's below E, you know? And that is not a good way to journey. Like, that kind of took the fun out of the ride at that stage, right? And life is like that. If we're going to journey with our tank on empty, it's not going to be a hang of a lot of fun, Right? It's stressful being on empty. It's hard work being on empty. You know, each day we're just trying to make it, just trying to get by. That is not the way that we were intended to live. That's not the way God intends for us to live. We need people who are a full tank, right? And what I've experienced the last 30 years or so is that the fuel that drives us forward, the fuel that keeps us healthy, and, uh, and energized and passionate as we're going forward can only be one thing, and that's the love of God. There is nothing else in this world that will help us to keep leveling up, keep taking steps forward, keep climbing new mountains in our faith, keep moving forward like the love of God will do. It's the only thing that will sustain us and move us forward. The love of God. You know, we all come to the Lord as a broken people, right? And we all get this, we've got this uh, God-sized hole in our heart in that, you know? And um, if we're going to level up, we've got to do something about that. You know, I had an experience uh, a year ago. I was in, was in uh, South Sudan, and um, it was a good illustration to me what happens when you don't have the basics right. And I, I went to... Um, into the north of South Sudan, we flew in. You had to get a, a special UN flight, a military flight up there on this airstrip. They'd been fighting the day before, and they said, ah, oh, no, it's calmed down, so you should be able to get the plane in there, okay? And we arrived there, and uh, squads of soldiers suddenly surrounded the plane, all, in, uh, all around the fence, pointing outwards. Another squad of soldiers came rushing up. They grabbed us out of the plane. They literally ran us off the airfield, put us into vehicles. They had an armored vehicle at each end, and they raced us into the firebase. And about then it dawned on me, um, 
wow, we're not in Kansas now, Dorothy. We're, uh, we're on a whole different level in terms of risk and, and what's going on here. And it got even worse. And we got into the town, and it was, like a, it was like a scene out of one of these apocalypse, zombie dawn-type movies. I don't know if you watch that stuff, but you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where, where like everything is broken down and all the windows are broken and the town is sort of deserted and, and all the greenery and vines are growing out the windows of the university and um, cars are burnt out in the streets and abandoned everywhere. There was no fuel for the cars. And, um, and like it's, there's this guys on street corners with weapons looking at us as we go past. And uh, that was the government-controlled area. So then we went across the river to the guys on the right, and these are like 13-year-old kids with RPGs and, and AKs, and, uh, and they're just kind of looking at you as you go past, just taking a fun sight at you as you go past, you know. And they're all smoking their ganja, and they're, they're all high. And um, you realize, man, we are, we are at a whole different level now. Um, and of course, then immediately, well, Back to basics, right? Oh, have we done enough security preparation? Have, you know, are we safe? What I forgot to mention was in my wisdom, great wisdom, I had brought a New Zealand board member from World Vision with me. It's like, you know, it's like 101. You do not take board members. They're like important people. You don't take them into that kind of um, scenario. And I'm worried about, hey, I haven't prepared this guy for this. This is way beyond what, what I'd anticipated we were going to be into. And it's funny, you know, when we go that next level, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. That's when the basics become important, right? That's when if we don't have ourselves squared away in the basics, it starts to show. The cracks start to appear in that. So I, my thing is, if we're going to move forward onto a new level, if we're going to take steps, we have got to get the basics right. And as I said before, we all come to the Lord broken. We come with that God-sized hole in our heart, Right? And there's only one thing that can fill that. You know, we can try all kinds of things. We can try and uh, buy stuff. We can, we can get new cars. We can get boats. We can, um, I guess in the Waikato, we get more cows or, you know, something, right? And um, we can try everything in the world to fill that God-sized hole. There's only one thing that's going to fill it, though. What's that? That's the love of God, right? That is the only thing tailor-made that's going to fill that. Um, you know, we are people that naturally search for love. It's sort of hardwired in us, right? I was reading this survey in, uh, in the UK, and it said that of our entire, entire life, right, we will spend 6.8% of all our time searching for love. 6.8%. Now, compare that with 0.69% that the average person spends exercising. That tells you where our priority is, right? So we are people that are kind of hardwired to search for love. We've got a God who has love and abundance and wants to pour it out on us. It should be a natural match, right? It should be a natural fit. But somehow, often we struggle to connect with the love of God, right? And I reckon there's a couple of reasons why. If I look at my life, a couple of reasons why you know, I struggled for years to connect with the love of God. And the first thing is that if we, many of us, even, you know, 50% of the population now statistically, are growing up without knowing the love of an earthly father. So how are we supposed to try and connect with the love of a heavenly father if we don't understand the love of an earthly father? You know, for me, I grew up in a, in a, 
in a violent, sort of dysfunctional home. And for me, what a father meant was a father was um, someone who was dangerous and unpredictable, who gave you, gave you beatings, you know? A father was someone who, um, who was, uh, was unforgiving, who if you screwed up, you got beaten. You know, father was the person in the home who was the only person whose opinion mattered. And if you challenged that opinion, you got beaten. You know, fathers were people who said today that they loved you, but really didn't when it came down to it. Or we're here today and gone tomorrow. So many of us, we're starting with this, this, this problem that we don't understand what a father is meant to be or how a father's love is supposed to be working in our life. So then we try and connect with the heavenly father, and that's hard. It's not easy. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? Yeah? Yeah. So some of us, you know, a lot of us, hey, we're starting on the back foot. And then it kind of gets worse from there, right? Because the world is full of love gurus out there. We've got all kinds of people telling us what love is, right? We've got, you know, we've got books. We've got music, pop music. We've got, um, oh, don't get me started on TV, right? I mean, how, like, what is going on there? We've got these dating shows. We've got love boats. We've got love islands. We've got love, I don't know. And, and uh, what about this married at first sight thing? Like, how bizarre is that? Some psychologist expert says, oh, yeah, these two people will, will make it. And then we sit and we watch while this train wreck just sort of plays out in front of us. Um, and they call it entertainment. Like, the world has a pretty screwed up idea of what love is. Because for the world, love is about me. Love is about me getting my needs met. And if I'm not getting my needs met in a relationship, hey, then it's time for a new relationship, right? Throw that one out and get a new one. Because at the end of the day, I'm all that matters. You don't hear words like sacrifice and hard work and relationships being portrayed by the world, right? What's worse is that the, the world teaches us that love is conditional, right? Love is conditional. So he loves her because she's pretty hot. He loves him because he makes her feel good or he's kind to her. What's that? She's still trying to work out why. 30 years later, she still loves me, but anyway. <laughs> You know, and so what happens when the conditions change? What happens when maybe she's not quite so hot anymore? Not you, honey. You're as hot as you are. <laughs> what happens when he maybe doesn't look as good as he used to look? You know, some of us guys, it's time we admit that the old six-pack has turned into a bit of a rounded keg these days, you know? And... Um, what happens when those conditions, maybe he doesn't make her feel as good anymore. Maybe he's not as considerate anymore. When those conditions change, a love that's built on conditions collapses and fades. And you hear this all the time, right? They've, oh, they're in love. Now they're out of love. You know, oh, I love her. Oh, I don't love her anymore. You know, I had a, a guy, a mate came to me a couple weeks ago just to tell me that um, they're getting divorced. And, oh, you know, just the love's gone. It's not there anymore. It's like, mate. Come on. That kind of love that we're being sold is a lie. 
It's time for us to connect with what real love is. It's time for us to go to the source of love and begin to understand what true love looks like, how it works out in our life, how it makes a difference, how it will build us and we can build each other and we can really make it happen when we connect with that love of the Heavenly Father. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Are you good with us? Yeah? Are you down with it? Let's say in South, yeah. You say, yow, do you say that here? You probably don't. It's probably a Southie thing. Never mind. Don't worry. We won't go there. What we will do, though, is let's look at, you got it, right? You got it. Okay. It's good. It's good. We had to learn a whole new vocabulary when we, went, when we moved to South, right? It was like, wow. Uh, bro. We had to, uh, so what we will do this morning, though, is let's have a look at what God's love is about. What does the author of all love look like? What does his love for us look like? And you know the first thing that it looks like is God's love is sacrificial. You know, it's not about God. It's all about God sacrificing for me. Yeah, I had the, I had the privilege to serve the Lord uh, for five years in Jerusalem, working in West Bank in Gaza. Some, some pretty rough times we went through um, with the war in Gaza and different things. But one of the cool things was um, my office was just above, was on the Mount of Olives, just above the Garden of Gethsemane. So I used to look out my window down at where Jesus uh, was and where he was on that last night when he was betrayed. And I used to imagine and picture him, you know, kind of kneeling there praying and going through this process of, you know, God, man, if there's any other way, you know, take this from me, right? This was not, even though he was Jesus, this was not an easy thing that he did because Jesus knew it was going to be pain. Jesus knew there would be suffering. More importantly, Jesus knew there was going to be separation from God. Now, sure, he knew that, yeah, come through the other side, there was going to be victory. There was going to be you know, salvation for mankind. There was going to be an eternity with the Father. All good things. But I don't believe that made it easy for Jesus. Because I believe at that moment when Jesus took all of our sins on his shoulders and he experienced for the first time that total separation from the Father. You know, we hear that he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, have you forsaken me? Imagine that ultimate pain that he felt at that moment. And yet, even knowing this was going to happen, he said, okay, God. He agreed, sacrifice himself for you and for me. Why would he do that? What could possibly motivate him to do that for you and for me? Yeah. There's only one, one power strong enough in this world to motivate a person to sacrifice themselves, and that's love. And if we know nothing else about God's love for us, it is a sacrificial love that he gives to us. Amen? God so loved the world, he gave his only one and only son so that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're ever in any doubt, does God love me? You know, was God prepared to sacrifice for me? How deep is God's love for me? We only have to look at Jesus. Amen? Second thing about God's love 
it is unconditional and it is perfect. Yeah? Yeah? Come on. God doesn't wake up in the morning and go, oh, how do I feel this morning? Oh, I'm not really feeling very loving this morning. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? God never changes. You know, there is nothing that you can do to increase or decrease God's love for you. You know, you may think you've done bad stuff. You may think you've been, you know, there is no sin black enough that will stop God loving you. There's nothing that you have done in your past that will ever separate you from God's love. <coughs> His love is unconditional and it is absolutely perfect. If there was ever a condition in which you could imagine Jesus turning his face from someone. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and he's arrested and he's in the courtyard there and he's, he's on trial for his life and Peter denies him for the third time. Peter who said, Jesus, I am with you to the end. I will fight for you. I will die for you. I will never give you up. I will go all the way for you. Push comes to shove. Man, you've got to love Peter. Right? He's so like us. I just, I just love reading that. You know, he gives me hope, right? You've got to love the man. But at that moment, he just absolutely blows it, right? He just, fear, everything overwhelms him. And you know what the Bible says? At that moment when he betrays Jesus for the third time by denying him, Jesus' face is turned towards Peter. Jesus is on trial for his life. What's he thinking about? Oh, my brother Peter, what have you done? His heart's for Peter. There is no circumstance, there is no condition that will stop God loving you. He loves you yesterday, he loves you today, he loves you forever. We all know 1 Corinthians 13, right? Well, in 1 John, it says that God is love. So I want to take a bit of license this morning. I want, to, I want to substitute the word God for love in 1 Corinthians 30, if you'll allow me to do that this morning, because it's kind of cool. I'm going to read it out. It says then that God is patient, God is kind. He does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud. God does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking, he's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices in the truth. God always protects, he always trusts, hopes, always perseveres. God never fails, amen? His love is there for us. It will never fail. It's there now, it will be there tomorrow. There is nothing that will separate you from the love of our living God. Hallelujah. His love for us is beyond circumstances. Yeah? God doesn't. God doesn't look at you. He's not like Father Christmas, you know? You better watch out. You better not shout. You better be good or, you know, God's love's going to be taken away. His love is forever. It's enduring. Yeah? And I want to tell you, you know, sometimes people feel like they're going through the rough times. There are times we go through the valleys, right? There are times when it's, it is hard work. And God didn't promise us that we're going to live a life immune to pain and suffering and that it's all going to be an easy road, you know? If someone led you to the gospel with those rose-tinted spectacles, I'm sorry, but I'll have to burst your bubble, you know? We're called 
sometimes to go through suffering, through the hard yards, through the tough times. But you know what? God promised, what's his promise? He will never leave us or forsake us. He will be with us through the valley. He will be with us through the hard time. In fact, sometimes he will allow us to go through those hard times so that we can be strengthened, so that we can be built up, so we become stronger, so that we come out victorious. We know what it is to climb up the side and to get on that height. God wants us to experience that. Romans 8, 37, 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation. Like that doesn't leave anything. Everything, that's the catch-all, right? Nothing is gonna separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what you're going through this morning. God is there, his love is with you. And he's gonna walk with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is with you through the valleys. He wants to see you rise victorious, get up the side of that mountain and know what it is to stand on the heights and to look back where you were and go, yes, God, we did it together. Yes, God, all things are possible through you. All things are possible through your love that strengthens me. All things are possible as we climb the mountain together. Amen. If we're going to level it up, we've got to do it with God and we've got to do it with God's love. Amen. God's love heals us. You know, this world is all about hurt. I've seen enough death and destruction and all the rest to last me several lifetimes. You don't have to go far from this building to find pain and suffering, right? To find hurt people. The world is full of hurt people. People have been damaged, people damaging each other but we serve a God whose love brings healing. You know, when we, get, when we get hurt, there's two ways we can respond. We can, you know, we get like the wounded animal. We go into our cave. We can kind of try and, and put a, a Band-Aid over the wound and just, and just hide it away. And what happens to a wound like that? It gets septic, right? It gets poisonous. It has the power to poison us from within. And I've dealt with just in the last two weeks, so many people that are poisoned because of something that happened 20 years ago. They don't want to come back to the church because they were hurt 20 years ago. They still have not dealt with that pain and it's affected every single thing they do for, since then. It's directed them in ways that are destructive in their life. But it doesn't have to be that way because there's another way that we can respond and that's to open up the hurt to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Let the, that living water of the Holy Spirit cleanse the wound, bring it out, open it up. Let God's love begin that healing process. Take away the pain, bring the healing. Let us then rise up. Let God pour your love so much into you, so much into us that we begin to pour it out around us, that we can't contain it any longer within us. And we're even gonna pour it out on the people that have hurt us. There's no other way. How else do you forgive those who hurt you if it's not through the power of God coming out and that love overflowing out of you and empowering you to be able to say, yes, I forgive you. It's not the same as forgetting, but I forgive you. And I get healed. And I don't carry that around anymore inside of me. Final point this morning is um, 
as we begin to get healed, right? As God starts to, we, we plug that hole in our heart, we start to receive the love of God. We don't want to just keep it into ourselves. Our job then is to begin to share it with those around, to share it in a broken world, because God's love is meant to be working through us. For whatever reason, God decided he wants to work through you and through me. Even though that we're broken vessels, even though we've got all our hang-ups, even though, you know, like, you wonder sometimes, God, was there not a better plan A than this? But oh well, let's give it a go. When we start to step out in the love of God, that is, the love of God is the thing that will create lasting impact in those people around us. It's the, it's the only motive that will allow us to really reach into the lives of people. You know, I love that saying that um, people don't care what you know until they know you care. Like, you could be the smartest kid on the block. You could be the most anointing whatever. You know, you could be super talented. People don't care unless they see the love of God, unless there's a genuine love there, unless there's a genuine care and concern. You know, we'll just bounce off people like bugs off windshields, right? The only way we can penetrate the barriers that people surround themselves with is through that genuine, heartfelt love of the Father, sharing that. I love, um, when I was a young Christian, I read that book, uh, Cross on the Switchblade. And uh, anybody read that book? You guys know? Okay. Yeah, some of the few of us got a few gray hairs, maybe know it, but... It, <laughs> It's like this crazy book. So this white honky pa- pastor, you know, from like Virginia or somewhere, you know, upper, upper class women's state, decides he's going to go to New York and he's going to save the gangs. Like, can you imagine the train wreck? Like, that would, in the natural, that should just be a train wreck. He's got nothing in common with them. He doesn't know and understand their life. He comes from a different world, right? But there's one thing that that man carried, and that was the love of God. And there's this, this famous scene in the book where um, he's confronted by Nicky Cruz, who's a gang, gang leader. And, uh, you know, Nicky's got his knife out, and he's, he's about to cut him. He's like, okay, you're going down. And David turns to Nicky, and he says, um, he says, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces, lay them in the street. Every piece would still say, I love you. And that's the turning point for Nicky Cruz. See, this tough, hard-out gang member with his blade, he's got no defense against that. He drops the blade and he runs for it. And that's the turning point in his life. He becomes a believer, has this amazing ministry. See, that's the kind of love that we need to take. If we're going to level up, and if we're going to get out of our little church buildings, and we're going to get out into the community and we're going to make a difference in the lives of people. You know, what is it that we're bringing? It's got to be the love of God because that's the only thing that's going to make a difference in the hearts of men and women. That's the thing people are crying out for in homes all over the city. The desperate plea in the rich and the poor. You know, I've worked with presidents and I've worked with the poorest of the poor. I can tell you one thing. They all desperately needed the love of Christ. And that's what we can take to a needy world. But the first thing is that 
It's got to be out of our overflow. It's got to be that we have such a portion of this that it is shaken, pressed down and flowing out of us. Don't run around on the gas gauge empty. Not cool. You know, get filled. Get continually filled. Going back again and again to the Father. You know, I want to challenge you this morning. If any of what I've been saying has, has made an impact on you, I want to encourage you to do five things for me. Okay? First thing is begin to put aside any bad experiences you've had of earthly fathers, or mothers, or people that have hurt you in the past. People that make it that you don't want to extend trust. You know, trust is a dangerous thing to extend. We got to start to put away that kind of thinking. And we got to begin to reach out to our Heavenly Father because He's worthy. He's worthy. He sacrificed Himself for us. Second of all, reject what the world says about love. You know, get into the Word and discover what the God of love says true love is. Begin to reach out to Him. Begin to experience that love. Begin to show that kind of love to those around you. And you watch the difference that it makes in your life. Number three, believe that God's love is unconditional. It's not based on circumstance. That God loves you as much as it is possible to be loved. And that's never going to change. It doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter if you blow it this week. doesn't matter what, you know, we all do it. God's love is there. It's unconditional. It's forever. Finally, when you begin to open your heart and feel the love of God pouring you, don't keep it to yourself. Begin to then share it around. And because the amazing thing, you can't outgive God, right? As you begin to give it out, God's just going to put more in. And you give this out, God's going to put more in. You cannot outgive our Heavenly Father because He has an endless supply that He's ready to pour out into us. So share it around. Give it around. Amen. God bless you guys this morning. And God bless you on your journey ahead. Deliver it out. Thank you.